The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, so welcome to this uh, the first class of the hindrances. I'm Diana Clark, and this is my great friend Tanya Weiser. I'll just say I feel so excited to be teaching with you, Tanya. It's uh, we're such good friends, and I'm often sharing my meditation things that I'm thinking about or working with or Dharma topics with you. So I feel so happy that together we're kind of offering this to others. So and I, I do too. I, thank you. Yeah, it uh, feels like a great blessing to be teaching together. Yeah. So, uh, as you know, that uh, this class is on the hindrances, and we're going to be talking about what does that mean, the hindrances, what are they. Maybe I'll uh, start by saying I feel like I'm certainly no stranger to these uh, obstacles, these difficulties, these things that hinder. I think anybody who has a meditation practice gets to know these we could call them energies or mental states, that one way to think about them is that they prevent us from being the best versions of ourselves. They prevent us from seeing clearly. They prevent us from really settling down in our meditation practice. Often the hindrances, we become really aware of them when we're trying to meditate. They may go unnoticed in our daily life, but that doesn't mean they're not there. It's just we often really notice them when we're meditating. And in this class, uh, Tanya and I, we talked about this. We met about it a few times. And um, we'd really like to give an experiential approach of what are these hindrances and how can we work with them? How can we convert them so they don't have to be a problem, something that gets in the way? So... We'll be um, we'll do some talking, but there'll also be guided meditations and small group discussions and large group discussions. But there's a lot of wisdom. All of us have wisdom, and so that we'll be able to share and learn from each other, as well as to uh, work on our own with uh, these hindrances. And we're going to present this in mostly a secular fashion, but this is a Buddhist center. And the hindrances are a Buddhist teaching, even though there's nothing Buddhist about aversion, right? There's a... a (laughs) (laughs) Right, or a doubt or something like that. So um, I, I would just say you can take what you find helpful and useful and perhaps inspiring, and you can leave behind what doesn't feel helpful or useful for you. Um, and maybe I'll just oh if everybody's been to IMC before then I don't need to give a little I don't need to talk a little bit about IMC but maybe I'll um, talk a little bit more about okay what are these hindrances if we take the approach that a big part of meditation practice and even Buddhist practice we would say is a way to find more ease a way to find more freedom find some peace and well-being in our lives. If that is an objective we have, it just it makes sense to pay attention to those things that get in the way. Peace, well-being, freedom, and ease. What is it that obstructs um, our practice, our any movement towards that? 
And there's an analogy in the Buddhist teachings that I actually really like a lot. And I heard uh, Gail, he just, the founder of the center here, Gail Fronstall, he uh, used this similar analogy in a different setting in a talk that he just gave recently. And that is uh, in the teachings, there is this um, simile uh, metaphor that Buddhist practice, meditation practice, or the bigger idea of that movement towards greater freedom and ease can be likened to water that flows downhill. That is, it just goes in one direction. So we can think of like when it rains, right? Then the rain um, collects and, and forms streams and then streams go downhill to the ocean. We can think of ocean as greater freedom. I like this. I like this kind of sense of inevitability that uh, once you start practicing, things go towards greater freedom. And I also like this because, of course, rivers are not straight, right? They uh, take curves and maybe fill up into lakes and really slow down and stay there for a while, but then maybe go underground and come up as a stream somewhere else. But one thing that I think is important, what really distinguishes a, a river or a stream, if you bring one to mind, chances are you will bring to mind a stream that has boulders in it, that has trees in it, has things that get in the way, quote unquote. But it's not necessarily a problem. It isn't a problem. The water just hits the boulders is intimately in contact with the boulder or the tree or whatever it is and goes around or it finds another way and it still goes downhill. In the same way our practice can be, there are boulders, quote unquote, there are these uh, tree stumps in our, in our life experience and we touch them, we experience them but we can find a way to use the energy of them or to use them not as something that stops our, the, our practice or the flow towards greater freedom, but just as a way that's part of the practice. That's what it means to be a river, is to have boulders in it. Right? Otherwise, it would be a, um, like a water park with kids that are sliding down perfectly straight, and that's not how our lives are, Right? So maybe um, if I could like really stretch this uh, simile and we could think of these boulders not only as things that help shape our practice, shape the direction in which they go, the influence in the way how things flow, but they don't stop the practice. But maybe I could, we, I could suggest that we could also think about them as doorways, that seeing what is uh, obstructing, hindering, getting in the way, I keep on using this expression, quote-unquote, but what we think is, uh, um, maybe I'll just say what we think is getting in the way, can also be doorways to greater ease and greater freedom. What we think is a boulder may actually be a doorway, and so part of this practice and this course that we'll be doing is how can we do that? How can we work with uh, these uh, obstructions in such a way that they support our practice, support our lives, and don't have to be hindrances? They don't have to be 
problems. Because, of course, we have these things in our lives. So maybe I'll say for me, when I first learned about uh, these hindrances, so these are a Buddhist teaching, one part of me was like, thank goodness, why didn't anybody tell me about this earlier? I, I felt uh, um, relieved to realize that thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, people were having the same difficulties I was having. It made me feel like, oh, okay, this is just part of the human experience. Of course we have things that get in the way of practice. I keep on using this word, get it in the way. Of course we have things that we think are getting in the way of practice. But if we turn them into doorways, right, they're no longer in the way. So I'll just speak for myself. I found a certain amount of relief that I felt like I had a whole story going like, oh, I can't meditate. But then when I learned about the hindrances, I realized, oh, of course, all of us have difficulties. I have things that kind of uh, make us uh, difficult to um, do what we intend to do with our meditation practice. So what are these hindrances? So, you know, for those of you who are familiar with Buddhist practice, you don't have to be, you know that um, they like to make lists. So here's a list of five. And we can think of them as kind of like energies. And you'll get a handout that has these lists um, on them. One is a movement towards something. You really want something. This desire, I'm going to be happy as soon as I have that thing out there or there, or there, right? This kind of like leaning forward. I'll say for me, when I teach meditation, I can see that sometimes people, when they're meditating, they are physically leaning forward. And and I know that I do this sometimes too. So that's one. Sensual desire is what we call it. The second one is the opposite, this energy of, no, I don't want this. Kind of leaning back. Aversion. Yeah, this, uh, the opposite of desire, right? Maybe the wish for something to go away. The third is an energy that's uh, maybe like a spinning, a, a kind of like a going. So not, it can be combined with forward or backward, but it's more like a spinning around. That's called restlessness and worry. There's a, two words there to kind of encompass how it's both a mental thing, worry may be kind of like a rumination, and restlessness may be a sense of like, I can't sit still. So that's the third. The fourth is the opposite, a decreased energy, a sense of heaviness, sluggishness, fogginess, the I can't get out of the couch kind of feeling. In English, it ends up with a kind of a, Interesting uh, translation, sloth and torpor. Sloth is kind of the body and the torpor is kind of fogginess in the mind. And then the last one is doubt. And that is when we feel like all the energy is in our heads and we're trying to figure everything out and maybe we feel uncertain and indecisive and hesitant and not sure. That is the fifth hindrance. Sensual desire, aversion, Restlessness and worry, sloth and torpor, and doubt. So in these five weeks, we're going to explore all of these individually. How do they feel? How can we work with them? What, what are they about? What supports their arising? What supports their passing away? 
And but today we're going to kind of look at them just um, collectively. And I think we'll start with a guided meditation. All right, so um, take a minute just to check in with yourself. Think about the things that Diana's just shared and notice how any of it might be resonating with you at the moment. Just feel your body here. Acknowledging what's present, feeling the seat and your feet perhaps. Try and be easy with yourself. Be easy with the feelings or energy that's present for you. Giving it room, space. Noticing the energy, perhaps, in the way Diana described it. Seeing if you can recognize any little bit of any of the hindrances for you right now, any sense of wanting to feel better, pleasure, any sense of not liking, not wanting what's happening, what's being shared, being here, or how you're feeling. Maybe there's extra energy it's hard to sit still or mind won't settle. Maybe it's hard to even get your mind to focus, to sit up. And maybe you start down a track and then you go, oh, no, no, doubting this not feeling connected or clear, uncertain. So again, whatever is present for you, being easy with it. Just seeing and allowing it to be known. And then we'll sort of bow to that energy for a moment and Let's do a little bit of mindfulness of body and breath and we'll come back to a little bit of a practice with the the hindrances. So as you're ready, as you're ready, bringing more and more of your awareness inside into the experience of sitting here, feeling the body receiving breath, breathing in, and breathing out. And I want to invite you to, for this practice, use the breath as your primary reference point. Sort of to help you notice when you've drifted. You'll know that you're no longer primarily aware of breathing. So it's helpful to just start by 
intentionally really applying some energy and awareness to noticing the inhale, feeling it fully, and the exhale, feeling it fully. And in the beginning, maybe taking a little bit longer inhale and longer exhale. And you may even want to invite the body, mind, heart to release any unnecessary tension with the exhale. And once you have established a connection with the breathing, I want to invite you to notice when you get pulled away. And when you notice that you've been pulled away, just relax there for a moment and pause and open to the experience that drew you away and see if you can fit the energy that pulled you away into any of the five hindrance categories. Desire for sensual pleasure, feeling better. A feeling of ill will or aversion or anger. Not liking. or the third, energy of restlessness and worry or anxiety, feeling that in the body or the mind or both, or the fourth hindrance of sloth and torpor, fogginess in the mind, heaviness in the body, or the fifth, the uncertainty of doubt, not knowing. With some curiosity and intention, observing the breath and observing the wandering mind, learning from your own experience.
Noticing if there's a pattern. Is there a particular kind of energy that pulls you away from the breath? identify a particular pattern for yourself and if so if you can reflect on that right now desire ill will restlessness and worry sloth and torpor or doubt And just be with that energy for a moment. Giving it space, room to be seen, felt in the body. Noticing its impact, its presence, like a visitor who's come into your home. And take a moment now then to examine with that curiosity those experiences of having this energy present. how it might lessen. Does relaxing help? Does noticing the impact of the hindrance help? Does it help to apply more energy to the breath again? As you're able, let go more and more of any of the thoughts or fantasies, stories that might go along with this hindrance. Invite a sense of well-being. May I be at ease. May I be mindful, may I be with my breath. And if it lessens or leaves, you let go any little bit. Notice its absence. Notice what's in its place. Can you find and feel 
the experience that's there for you when there is less of the hindrance present. Appreciating any, any change, softening, easing. And take a deep breath in. And with the exhale, let go of this practice. Check in with yourself again. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Wow. Thank you, Tanya. I'm a little too uh, relaxed now. I don't... (laughs) (laughs) That was quite something. (laughs) So in that uh, meditation, Tanya invited us at the beginning... You can come into the circle if you yes, like. Yes, please do. She um, invited us to check in and see what we were feeling. If there was a particular type of energy that was there. And then she uh, reminded us what are the, the f- uh, five hindrances. And then she led us through something that we'll probably we'll talk about more explicitly yes. uh, later. And just um, on the handout, too. If a one way to work with things. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. So now we would like to see how was that for you? What was the experience of this, this meditation? Were you able to notice that there was a, something there? A kind of like type of energy, a leaning forward or up or down energy or something? Were you able to notice one? And Tony asked, um, notice if there's a pattern. Did you find that one in particular was dominant, or did you find, like, wow, a little bit of everything? So you could use the microphone so that all could hear. That'd be great. You can choose to speak or not and just pass it on. I just want to get these out here. Are there extra Yeah, there's a whole bunch right here. It's okay. Well, I can choose to speak. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess what I noticed most was just a propensity to think, um, which I think is part of the sensual piece, just kind of yeah. thinking a lot. And um, the thoughts almost always involved me, <laughs> the star of the show, um, uh, so I, that's what I was able to catch. And I also noticed um, that uh, the boulder wasn't pleasant because um, it almost invariably involved um, some um, physical dis-ease for me. Um, but the instruction just to kind of notice it was that helpful. And I noticed, I noticed that noticing the thinking was helpful mm. uh, and helpful as a as a way just 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 that uh, was helpful to me in feeling freer so. great thank you Peter often we have have this idea that like oh I don't want to pay attention to those things that are uncomfortable but you just mentioned that noticing that just noticing has an, an effect 
no guarantees that every time you notice something <laughs> that it's uh, going to go away, right? Uh, well, it'll do one of three things. Yes. What, what, what? It'll go away, get less, it'll get worse or more intense, or it'll stay the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, in this meditation, I kind of went through all the hindrances. Um, usually it's mostly the restlessness. Um, Although I was having a hard time distinguishing between worry and doubt. Mm -hmm. Yes. Don't quite understand the difference there. Mm -hmm. Um, But something I tried to do this time is my thoughts tend to be in the forefront of my mind and your voice in the background. Mm -hmm. So I just tried to bring your voice closer into the forefront this time and let the other stuff go into the background and I noticed that that helped nice you know um, I'd like to hear what you have to say about this too but the doubt one of the main like core teachings is this is in the most um, sort of strict sense of the term it's around doubt in the teacher the teachings or your ability to practice so that can be helpful um, to sort of, am I doubting this teacher knows what they're saying? Do I really trust what they have to offer? Is the Dharma something I really believe in that I think can really help me? You know, Or is this practice working? Am I doing it right? Can I do this practice right? Can I really get concentrated? Like those, that's sort of like the core component of doubt from the traditional um, teachings, correct, Diana? Yeah. Scholar yeah. Diana? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really have to do with the practice. So maybe it was more worry and not doubt. I think uh, one of the beauties is we don't have to get it perfectly right, no. the la- which label we put on it. It can be helpful, but even if we're not sure, that's okay. We can say, well, I don't know, it feels like, it feels like I have these thoughts that are going around in my head. I think it's doubt, but maybe it's worry. It's sort of like if you're in the river and there's boulders, does it matter if it's granite or, you know, (laughs) clay or whatever, right? Does it really matter, right? Good point. (laughs) So, um, that that was interesting because I probably had a, a different experience um, as soon as you started to kind of say, you know, notice if you get away, I had this thought in my mind, oh, um, I'm a ballerina, I'm very disciplined, I bet I'm not going to be able to drift away. And this is exactly what happened. I just couldn't get out of my breath. It's just every single breath. Um, I found some pain in my head but it was within the same cycle of the breath I was still with the breath so um, for this particular one I was kind of confused about what were the hindrances because the only term that resonated with me was um, anxiety in my chest Mm. Um, but 
it's just my mind state is anxious. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that it's preventing me from meditating. So I, you know, brought some kindness towards it. Um, so I, I'm a little confused. Well, I want to say um, we don't want to invite you to create hindrances. <laughs> They'll come up plenty. Right? And sometimes they're very subtle. Some boulders don't really impact the path of the river at all. So maybe you just had a subtle amount of anxiety about finding hindrances. <laughs> I don't mm. know. I'm not sure about that. I think that, you know, 20 years of training professionally to be a ballerina, my concentration is really, really high. And um, so if I sit and I meditate, I just sit and meditate and I watch my breath. Um, at home, I don't do that. I just kind of let whatever thoughts come. Um, but I think if, I'm wondering if we're going to do another one, like if you were not instruct, instructing us mm -hmm. to watch the breath, would I actually find them? Um, so I have to experiment with that. But do you think that the anxiety was related to that, or can it just be I'm in a state of anxiety? So restlessness is you know, one of these uh, hindrances. It's also one of the last things to let go of until you're perfectly awakened. It's part of the human experience until you're an arhat or a Buddha. So it's part of, re but it gets more and more subtle. But also I think what Sylvie is pointing to, it's possible to have mental states in which there aren't any obvious hindrances. You're just collected, settled, kind of unified, for, and you were describing just being with the breath. But the hindrances show up not only in our meditation practice. Often people first discover them there, but they're in our daily lives. Oh, too. there they are plenty. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was just, I was just reacting to this exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if that's, I, I also had this experience of when uh, Tanya was meditating. She was saying, well, notice this. And somehow it encouraged me to stay yes. in the breath. <laughs> it was like, uh, yes, my was, mind was doing the extra effort <laughs> to great. pay attention. So now we just have Tanya needs to be with us every time we meditate, <laughs> right? Great. It will be uh, really settled. simplicity of what you presented and you gave me permission to not make it complicated mm -hmm. and too much in my head so I, I'm used to following my breath but I think I went a little deeper this time because I think my mind was more quiet so 
I'm going to stay with that. <laughs> Keep it simple. Beautiful. Simple is good. Yeah, because I tried. I, I think I tried too hard. Yeah. I think I worked too hard at it. Yeah. And actually, if you just if you just be with your breath, it's it's so comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like Diana said, the rocks don't, the boulders don't have to be a problem. Right? They can be kind of, I'm sorry, I don't know your name, but you, Christina, she was saying how she just kind of moved what was in the foreground to the background. Right? That's a way of just like, okay, they're not a problem. They're still there, but they're just not a problem. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Tanya. Yes. You have my daughter's name. That's right. You told me that the yeah. other night. And I, I, and I um, went into a very deep meditative state mm-hmm. listening to you. Mm. And it was very comforting. Mm. And um, my soul, my wisdom was resonated. Mm. with every word you said. Mm. And I thank you for that. Mm. I feel blessed for that. Mm. Your wisdom. Listen to every word. And I feel so blessed. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. I felt the the boulder in the stream of my breath. I, before we started, I was feeling just so at ease and, you know. But as I started focusing on my breathing, I could go in really smoothly, but my breath would get stuck moving out. And I, it, it was like, I... I the stream would go back the other way again. I breathe in instead of getting it all out, and um, I tried to just relax. I already felt relaxed, but then as I tried again and again, I was getting a little bit tense. I think, well, what word is that? Worry, restless. What? Mm-hmm. And then I realized my breathing had been a problem for me. I I have um, a breathing issue. Yeah, and. Um, I learned years ago when I first tried meditation, a, a friend got to know, she had me lay down on the ground because I was getting so nervous. I had to do a lot of speeches and public speaking, and I'd start getting shaky and stuff. And she had me lay down and focus on my breathing, going deep in my belly. And I learned to stop that, and then I could speak without getting nervous. It mm-hmm. was like, a, wow, how did that change? So my breathing... I could see how important it is. And I went from very easy flow of breathing, but then as we started going deep, that rock got in the way, and the flow didn't go in and out well. After we stopped and people started speaking, I started burping. (laughs) We had some salsa (laughs) for dinner that I think that blocked my 
chest and my breathing. And so I was getting more and more worried. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. What, you know, it, now I'm free again. It's like the boulder has moved away and the flow could go. So we create these boulders too, what our bodies do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so um, I'll just say that we can have, and I'm not suggesting that your boulder, initial boulder, was necessarily a hindrance in these terms, but we can have a hindrance in response to a hindrance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sometimes. I start feeling the fear. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Mary, it's your turn. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I seem to go into this usual mode of um, doubt with a capital D. Uh, the doubt that I'll never learn this. Um, I get stuck right in the beginning and maybe I can do one or two breaths and and then it turns into um, fear and restlessness and worry and all that stuff. And then it turns into deep sadness. Mm. Just like, oh. So you did do a beautiful job flowing around these various boulders, <laughs> right? Allowing, you know, one yeah. to fold, you know, unfold and it came, something else came yeah. up. And yeah, yeah. Um, and and I I feel um, comforted that I was able to stay with you rather than to take off in mm. my oh my god here I go again mm. you know that whole thing I was, I was okay all right I could still hear your voice and okay I'll I'll just keep going so that's that's I'm realizing that was a real comforting thing that I could continue I thought in a very limited way I didn't value it very much and you know there's still that underlying anxiety yeah. is there but so so nice again you were able to appreciate the the moments of connection you know the moments of awareness mm-hmm. or the moments where mm-hmm. you weren't so overwhelmed and caught right yeah that's yeah. so beautiful yeah thank you yeah. I didn't think of it that way but thank you. That's a good but description. You, but you described that. Oh. You had, that's the experience you described. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Bill, did you want to? So, um, the biggest problem, so to speak, of meditation for me is probably similar to that of a lot of people. Uh, just incessant thinking, daydreaming, stories. So coming here, um, during the early minutes, I was wondering, okay, what is the hindrance that, uh, that explains this incessant daydreaming? And uh, Peter, it was something you said that I made me finally figure it out. It's, it's sense desire because in Buddhism, um, 
thinking or the mind is thinking is one of the six senses. Mm-hmm. So I guess I've got a sense desire for that particular sense, thinking. So um, uh, I think maybe it'll help to, to be able to name it that way, to, to understand it in that sense. But I hadn't thought of it that way before. Yeah, so it could be that. It could maybe also be restlessness, this kind of like, oh, I'm thinking about this, okay, well, what about that? Or maybe it really means this, and oh, that thing over here is kind of interesting too. So restlessness can have that uh, sense of like kind of seeking and wanting and looking. It get a, an obvious way we can see that is on the Internet, right? If you like click and then click, 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 that's kind of like a manifestation of like always looking, but that could also be a sensual desire too. Can always like you're just like wanting this kind of sense of dissatisfaction, just wanting more. It's certainly in the morning, when I'm waking up, I'm thinking, okay, am I going to sit and meditate for half an hour this morning? Will I do it this time? Um, and then as usually I don't. Um, I think there's two um, hindrances there. One is restlessness, just as you were saying. Um, and the other is uh, aversion because I have back pain and what helps me the most is to get up and move around and get the uh, get the knots out of my back so uh, whereas if I would sit and meditate right off the bat I would really notice the back pain so I have an aversion to that so um, so but definitely a Restlessness comes in there too. Yeah. I think Terry would like to oh, yes, speak yes. and maybe then. Oh, oh. Okay. Um, is it on? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, I think that um, when I sit down to meditate, especially today, because I've been. Um, just on the go and working and a lot of unexpected things came up today that when I sit down to meditate my mind kind of focuses and I become very calm and then uh, I start to kind of create a to-do list Mm -hmm. and that's when I notice my mind is wandering and um I prioritize kind of the to-do list and then I I kind of think about what is most important and then I, you know, kind of let that go. And I think it's related partly to um, sloth and torpor because I haven't taken the time to sit down and and create that you know, first thing in the morning or whatever it is, and there's doubt that I'm going to be able to do it in time, and that all, you know, creates the restlessness and worry. And what I was doing today was thinking about tomorrow, all the things that I have to do tomorrow before I work. And uh, But I am able to do this in a very, you know, concentrated kind of quick way so it doesn't take up you know much of the time and identify it but it also helps me later because then I have my to-do list kind of you know so I don't know if that made any sense 
I think uh, one thing that you nicely pointed out, it's not like we only have one hindrance at a time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we just, maybe it feels like all five of them are there and we're just not able to settle down or maybe it's not even clear. Or maybe we're having a lot of aversion and it's getting expressed as restlessness. Like, oh, I don't want to feel this, therefore I want to jump up and go do something else or with my mind do something. Yeah, aversion, it, it, it's in... Um in procrastination, you know, aversion to, to doing what I really should be doing and, you know, letting myself procrastinate. Yeah. Yeah, and then we haven't talked about this. Is, is there, would you like to, would you go, like to go now or? Oh, yeah, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to go on a little exposition on something, but let, I'll wait till uh, you're. This is kind of perfect timing for me because, um, I am having all the hindrances to meditation, and I have not been meditating for a while, which is when I saw this, the title of the class, I'm like, I need to go. And um, I've found that since I haven't been meditating, I've developed all the old habits of thinking too much, worrying too much, um, getting caught up in feelings again too much, um, and... Um, and I've been feeling really off kilter because of it. And um, and when you started the meditation, uh, I, I'm a little hard of hearing, and I couldn't hear you for some reason. Um, so I could hear a little bit, um, and especially when you got to the point where you said breathe, and so <laughs> I would breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- just even that helped, like mm-hmm. just kind of got me back to where it was like, just doing that, I could feel the thoughts going away. Um, and, you know, I could become more aware of sensations within my body, not all this stuff out there, which is really helpful for me. Um, and one, so one question I have is like, is when a thought gets obsessive like where you know i feel like i'm constantly having like to push a thought away mm-hmm. um what what what's a helpful technique with that mm-hmm. you want to answer that sure uh, often when we find that there's some kind of uh, i'm going like this spinning a compulsive feeling to it or what's the word a oh, rumination it can be really helpful to just check in. Is there an emotion underneath this that's fueling the thoughts? It could be a whole, all kinds of things. It can be worry or fear or something like this. And then if there's an emotion, it can be really helpful to check in. Where do you feel that in your body? Where do you feel that worry? Where do you feel the fear or sadness or whatever it is? And then place your attention there and the, on the bodily sensation and see if you can hang out there is it warm is it cold is it vibrating is it stabbing piercing is it really diffuse is it uh, sharp so in this way something that's kind of this racing thoughts gets converted into physical sensations and that is much easier to be with in the here and now with what's actually physically you're doing 
So that's one way to kind of like support the letting go of the thoughts. And you may have this experience, well, okay, maybe the thoughts are there. They're just not as compelling or not as strong. So they may be more in the background while you're uh, investigating what's happening in your body. Or maybe they'll, they'll go away and you'll have a, another set of thoughts. So that's just one thing to... There's a number of things you can do, but I'll offer that one. That's, uh, well, that's often really helpful. So um, hi, can, can I consult with you yes, for a moment? Yes, yes, yes. So I'm thinking it might be good to just have people kind of um, silently answer the questions that we had for the small group okay. within themselves. Okay. Um, and then maybe turn to one person and just sort of share, like instead of trying to yeah yeah do the whole big group thing. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that idea? Yeah, let's try it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. We, right, of course, uh, Tanya and I came up with a plan, but we don't know how many people are going to be here and if they're going to be experienced meditators or not or things like that. So, or quiet or talkative. Right. So we are just trying to adjust to kind of meet you guys where you are. So I think it's a good idea. Okay. So one thing that we had, um, do you think that's so, well, we'll, we'll try this was um, it can be helpful in any new endeavor that you do, whether it's a course on the hindrances or learning another language. It can be helpful to ask yourself, what are your intentions? What are your hopes? Like, what's, why, why are you here? What is your aspiration? Something like that. Because that can help to uh, support you when you're feeling like maybe you don't want to uh, engage or or to help kind of direct what is important for you and what maybe you can just let go. So let's just take a moment to think, what is your hope? What is your aspiration? What's your intention for taking this course or showing up here tonight at least? And then maybe we could have them share their answer with one person, right? Um, just a brief one part of their answer, and then we can go to the, you know, and yeah, vice versa. Yeah? Yeah. We'll okay. try that. We'll do that. So first we'll just check in. Maybe it wasn't clear to you. Maybe uh, you thought, oh, I had a general sense. Maybe this is an opportunity to get more clarity, or maybe it is clear already. And then, now if you could turn to the person, oh, I guess you have to do pairs. So we'll just do pairs. And just one person say to the other, I came here because X. And the other person can share, I came here because of Y. And we are an odd number, so if, if the three of you can uh, do this. Okay. You're cold. Yeah. Um, we can and just so you know, there's microclimates here. So you're probably in the coldest spot. The, the cold air is coming right there and going right on you. This yeah, I was side sweating of the a little bit ago. Yeah, it was really hot. And Sylvie knows this too. I guess. It's not your bed. It's just like how this room is not perfect, right, with the, the HVAC. All right, please share with your partner. Yeah, so this is interesting. Um, 
I thought maybe that we could spend a little more time here. You could spend some time maybe with Bella. Yeah, like, okay. Uh, fleshing it out. Because we had here a brief summary of the key points. Um, we had this for... Or no, maybe we do a second meditation. Oh, wait. So... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm confused. So right now we're doing this, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a little bit loud. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll have more opportunities to talk with your partner. So now, some of, yes, Mary. Yes. Fantastic. I love it. I think that's fantastic. So hope, what is your wish? What do you want out of this class? That's right. I think that's partly why we give synonyms. Is so you can find a word that works for you. You're welcome to discard words that don't work for you. Can you use that microphone? The word intention is commonly used in every class, in the talk. I mean, it's everywhere, in the readings. And it's like, what? do I do with that word? I would like to be able to work with it or understand it or whatever I'm supposed to do with that word. It's a very favorite word in, <laughs> in Buddhist teachings. Trendy. It's a trendy word. But, you know, but I, don't get, I thought maybe it was just me not getting it. Do you want to go for it, Tanya, or do you, would you like me to address it? Um, I think I'll say something kind of simple. We'll go back to simple. When you get up in the morning, you have, um, hopefully, a plan, something that you're going to do. 
When you get in the car, your intention is to drive from point A to point B. Right? So your intention is to get to point B. And what I also like to add to this thought is that if I'm not careful about my mind state when I'm getting from point A to point B, and I just think I have to hurry and get there and I'm sleepy and I'm not really awake and I'm cranky, I am not likely to be a very careful or thoughtful driver. So for me, my intention is to get from point A and to point B mindfully, kindfully, with awareness, with patience. That's my intention. It's important for me to recognize how I'm going to travel from A to B. So in a very simple way, intention is setting your GPS coordinates. It's setting the direction that you're going and how you're going to go there is very important as well. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, Maybe I'll just say, it occurred to me with the, the... the analogy that you gave there, Tanya, that if one didn't have intention, you'd be driving around and like, oh, look, a new store opens. And you'd go in, right, and spend time there. And then, oh, wait, I should do this. And you go here. And you never really get where you want to go. You're kind of just what catches your fancy or what you're trying to avoid or something like that. So an intention helps us say, oh, yeah, I need to get to point B, not just follow what if my... Uh, at that moment, the whim that I have. Okay, so we'll do this uh, same uh, thing where we'll ask a question and you can share it with your partner or the three of you here. And some of you have already shared this, but um, many of us have uh, inclinations. We have um, energies or our mind states that we tend to go to more often or they're more familiar or they're easier than the others. So what hindrance is most familiar to you in your daily life and or your meditation practice? Some people tend to be a little more restless and some people tend to have sloth and torpor. Some people tend to have maybe more desire or you tend to be a little bit more aversive. Or maybe you have doubt, you're not even sure what we're talking about or why we should bother talking about it or kind of a more skeptical doubt. So it doesn't mean you don't experience all five hindrances. It just means that is there a tendency that you tend to have either in meditation or daily life or both? Can I add this? And if you don't like the idea of thinking about yourself as having a a particular hindrance, right? Then maybe just choose one that you are interested in learning more about this next week. (laughs) Okay? That's nice, Tanya. Thank you. Oh, okay. Yes. Thank you, Sylvie. Yes. Okay. Okay, so if you want to talk, and then we'll ring the bell in uh, like maybe two minutes, one minute? Yeah, two, one minute. One minute. So it won't, you, won't have, you don't have a lot of time to talk about this. And then we'll switch. One minute, and then we'll switch.
Okay, please thank your partner, partners, partners. All right, so um, just one question here is how might the discussion that we've had so far together tonight and your explorations, how might this support your practice? How would you like to use these reflections in a way that supports your practice. And we're also going to ask, in case that feels like a hard question to answer, about barriers. Like what might be coming, what, what might you be afraid of or what might make it difficult to practice and use what we've talked about. So, um, so we can just take and pass the mic and if anybody wants to share, how might this exploration support your practice? Thank you. 
I'm sorry that I was late tonight, so you may have already addressed this. Is there a recording of the meditation that you did at the beginning? It is recorded. Okay. It's being recorded. Will it be online? It will be online, I think. Diana will upload it. Okay, so that would be a support. Great. <laughs> like, what came to mind was like, Great. can I listen to all of that instead of the last three minutes? Um, and then I think for, for me, and one of the reasons I came tonight was uh, the biggest hindrance I have is doubt. And uh, it, for me, it's very insidious because, you know, it's a mental and a physical faculty. And so it doesn't, it doesn't feel as obvious sometimes as, you know, oh, I'm thinking about cake or my foot itches or I'm sleepy or I'm agitated and all these planning mm-hmm. thoughts are happening. Like there's something really subtle about the version of doubt that I experience in everyday life and in my practice. Um, and like not a day goes by when I don't have doubt. So that's fine. It's probably always have doubt, but I would like my relationship to, to shift. And what's powerful for me is to, you know, the whole, I see you Mara type of thing. Like I see it as doubt instead of yeah. going with it and believing it and being like, Oh doubt, I should take that seriously and start wondering if I'm doing this right now mm-hmm. for like the 10,000th time in the last decade or whatever. So yeah. Um, just, I think just coming and talking about it and just being here with everyone will be very helpful. Yeah. Just, just like showing up mm-hmm. is going to be, for me, 90% of it. Oh, and doing the homework, of course. <laughs> I love what you... I mean, it was really helpful, I think, um, the way you talk about doubt because, it, to me, what came to mind is the simile that talks about um, pools of water and how the hindrances affect the pools of water and, and doubt is said to be, like, muddy, right? And it's like you're so you have so much doubt you don't even know you're in the mud, right? You d- there's no light, you don't see, you know, there's this density to it. Um, so that was lovely, you know. And so, you know, it's, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Can I ask? That's making me want to remember all of them. So mm-hmm. sensual desires like die, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ill will is like if you boil the water and it's bubbling. Correct. I don't remember. Oh, sloth and torpor is like if there's algae growing in the water. That's right. I don't know restlessness and worry. What's that? Windy, one? wind, windswept water. And then doubt is like if it's muddy. Mm-hmm. And the waters are mined in this metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more, but yes, um, like a, a pool with. Um, dye in it, colored dye, right? So you're mesmerized by the colors, right? Um, drawn into that, but you're, you're not really able to have a clear view. Your mind is colored. You're wearing rose-colored glasses, that kind of idea. Yeah. Boiling water, blah, 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 it's busy. And, and dangerous. <laughs> you know, boiling, right? The heat of it, which anger is, ill will is, uh, has a lot of heat in it. So what else? Anybody want to say anything else about how this discussion might support your practice? Thank you. How about, I can do no wrong. Because I always think I'm going to mess it up, or I'm going to do it wrong, or I didn't say it right, or to, you know that, that, and my brain goes crazy. But if if I were to absolve myself before 
I go to meditate and I get you know into it and 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 just I can do no wrong everything I do is perfect it's right or just to allow you you know like be a kid you know don't have any responsibilities I'm not responsible just be well, there's a, a mixture here, right? So part of it is we have what's happening. It could be a hindrance, it cannot be a hindrance. And then we have our relationship to what's happening. So we often can't control what's happening. We don't control what's happening in our minds. We like to think that we can, but when you meditate, you realize that you actually can't control it as much as you think, right? Or we can't control sensations that happens in our body. But our relationship to what's happening are we angry and trying to push it away and filled with hostility? Do we want more of it? Are we trying to hold on to it, cling to it? Or um, do we feel so distressed by it that we just kind of collapse around it and feel overwhelmed? Those things we do can affect. And we do have a certain amount of a responsibility. Is that the right word? I don't know if that's the right word. We do have the choice. We have the opportunity to look at how we're responding to what's happening. So to notice like the, our relationship to what's happening. Do we have aversion for aversion? Do we want to want? Sometimes, right? So you're, like if you're um, like on Amazon and you getting something that you need and like, oh, there must be something else here that I can need here, right? Or something like that. So we can look at the, uh, but you're right in that you can't do no wrong because what's arising is what's arising, right? It's like you didn't make it happen there, right? But we can look at our relationship to what's happening. And maybe that's what you were saying and I misunderstood I really like this comment. Um, it was useful. Um, I guess my, my question is, um, like what would make it useful for me? Is, is the class going to talk some about uh, the hindrances in life? Because I feel that my, my life and my nights are overwhelmed by hindrances, and meditation is actually the hindrance-free oasis in my life. Um, and so, I mean, I may be in the wrong class, but I'd like to know. <laughs> You'd like to know if you're in the wrong class? Yes. <laughs> sure. So probably all of the exercises are going to be about doing this in daily life, and we're going to talk about it in daily life. But often for many people, they really get to understand and experience the hindrances in meditation. So if that's not your experience, but maybe you can be bringing in recollection of having it in daily life or when you are experiencing hindrances out there in daily life you can think about that oh yeah when I go back on that Wednesday night um, I'll bring this to mind when um, we're talking about restlessness like how does restlessness show up for you not in meditation maybe how does it show up in your daily life and actually um, in in the guided meditations that we'll be doing we will be um, inviting you to bring up experiences of hindrances and it won't matter whether it was in a meditation or in your life so start keeping a notebook (laughs) (laughs) because I mean the comment you made just before about the relationship to what is happening it made me actually look at the uh, hindrance of uh, sensual desire through a different light so that's what you mean 
to just keep bringing for me like bringing it back to examples I can relate to yes yes and and that that in the way that we're structuring the guided meditations you will be invited to recall a situation something easy though in the meditation right but so you start with something easy and then you work from there so look for small examples of the hindrances in your life if you would like for you because they don't come up so much that you know in your meditations and you can make it completely relevant okay so what about we just you know we have another minute here for this question about barriers so some of this is a little bit about barriers and how to address them but does anybody else have any other concerns about being able to um, benefit from this to working with the hindrance from looking at them from exploring them I think one of the things that would be helpful to me is just continued conversation about it Um, one of the things that's different about having a class on hindrances as opposed to daily life which is just hindrance filled and 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 meditation which for me is just hindrance filled too is the opportunity to talk and to listen to uh other folks who are doing it and that's uh so that that's that's valuable just put that out there and what we've been doing it nothing news nothing new but i just wanted to affirm that i think that's that's valuable to do that great and we hope to have you be able to do more small group discussions yeah yeah one advantage, of course, of this is it kind of helps normalize it, too, right? It's part of the human experience is to um, have these obstacles or things that, these energies or mental states that come up. Yeah. It's not, doesn't mean we're a bad meditator. It doesn't mean we're a bad person. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means we're noticing what it's like to be a human being. And then hopefully in the ensuing weeks with the individual uh, hindrances, Tanya and I will share with you some ways to work with them, to be with them, to understand them. But this first day was more just to introduce the idea of hindrances. Mm-hmm. And do you anticipate the, I don't, I'm not sure if you know this already, but do you anticipate that the session design will usually be start with a meditation mm-hmm. and then other stuff? Well, it'll be a brief intro to yeah, the okay. hindrance and then a meditation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, any other burning comments? Yes. Yes, on the handout. It has uh, homework on it. Yeah, which is under your chair. (laughs) So, I want to um, highlight in the handout, there's something called the practice of Bella, B-E-L-L-A. And I want to tell you first a little story about Bella, which, um, because... To me, uh, this is a very personal connection with that word, Bella. It's an Italian word, and it means beautiful. And when I was in college, I went to Europe, and I was traveling, and one of the places I went to was Italy. And I actually had quite some adventures there and um, was kind of dislocated from my group that I was traveling with on a few occasions and had the most amazing experience of and more than one place, place being greeted by these people who saw that I was clearly a little bit lost. And they would say, ciao, Bella. 
<laughs> Ciao, Bella. And it was so sweet. It was just, I mean, it just felt so intimate, right? It was not anything I felt I had experienced in America in the same way, not with the same energy. And so, you know, some people say they like the practice of, I see you, Mara. And, and I like to bring this energy of Chow Bella <laughs> to um, the meeting of a hindrance. Chow Bella! <laughs> nice. <laughs> and the practice is, um, you know, just very simply spelled out for you. And this week, I just, I, we'll go into more detail about working with the different hindrances as we go. This week, just, I want to encourage curiosity. You know, you, uh, you, this is how we find our way. This is how we find and to cultivate wisdom is to bring this kind of chow bella and curiosity to what's arising for ourselves. And so the first part, really the B part, is just recognizing the presence of the hindrance. Chow bella. <laughs> and then the next part would be to examine it, right? What, what is, um, how did it arise And then when you have a good sense of that, look at, well, how does it lessen? You might notice, and you might even do this retroactively, right, respectively, because sometimes we don't really recognize this is happening till afterwards, and so it's not a lost opportunity. You can still think about, like, oh, how did it arise? And then how how did it lessen? And you might think, well, I know I went and ate ice cream and I did this and I did that and it just kept coming back. But then when I talked to somebody or I read the Dharma or I did my meditation, I completely forgot about it, right? So right there in your experience, you're going to have a sense of what sort of fed it maybe and what helped it lessen, okay? And then, you know, letting go, right? What can you do to prevent the future arising of this hindrance? So if you have your Amazon cart up and in the cart you have several items that are just waiting there for you, but you don't really need them, maybe you take them out of your cart. Right? Okay? And then notice and appreciate any absence or lessening. This is so, so powerful and so important. When it works... When things lessen, what is that like? What does that feel like? What happens? Can you be with that? Appreciate it. Breathe with it. Savor it. Highlight it. Cherish it. Okay? So that's pretty much your homework. And pretty much your guide for what we want to encourage you to do in terms of meeting the boulders as you swim or (laughs) ride the currents of life, right? And in your meditation. So um, I think that's that's enough, right, Diana? Shall we do a brief sitting? 
So let's, uh, we'll end the, the evening. We'll just, uh, we'll sit for a few minutes. Just uh, let this marinate. And we'll do this in silence without uh, guidance. So just staying still with yourself for a moment. I'm going to offer a few ways, um, Diana mentioned many of these earlier, of sort of relating to or understanding hindrances. And I want you to just, I'm going to read one, pause for a brief moment, and then go on to the next. And just notice if any one of these seems like a nice, easy way for you to start to relate, to practice relating to the hindrance this week. Hindrances, okay? So the first is it's not personal. It's not personal. It's a normal part of human experience to be recognized and understood. Second, it's an opportunity. Maybe a doorway, like Diana said. It's an opportunity to strengthen your practice.
the third. It's their potential strategies that are not really that helpful for coping with or avoiding difficulty. Maybe they were helpful at some point or they're more helpful than other things that you could do. So seeing them like strategies or coping skills that might not be in your best interest. The fourth, comparable when they're strong to a black hole where you get sucked in. Everything keeps sucking you in. And the last is similar to colored lenses that change the way you see, understand, and relate. So I'll run through those very briefly again. Not personal, an opportunity, possible strategies, comparable to a black hole, similar to colored lenses, but not a problem. All right, so I will just say that I appreciate so much that you're here and that you're interested in this. This is a very, very transformative and powerful practice. And it is a gift you give yourself and a gift you give others to walk with awareness, walk with wisdom, and walk with compassion around these hindrances that are normal. And they, you know, don't have to be a problem if we relate to them wisely. So may the benefit of our work together be of benefit for everyone we come in contact with. And may that benefit spread throughout the world for all beings. Thank you. So it's uh, 9.01. We want to respect your time. I'll let you go. But if you have some questions, you can come up and ask us. Thank you.